Welcome to the Paul Spradley Show, a show dedicated to real strategies from real people practicing real leadership in diverse and inclusive cultures. And now here's your host, CEO of the diversity training firm, the Care-Based Leadership Collaborative, Dr. Paul David Spradley. Good after day, morning. I don't know when you're listening to this show. Listen, I literally heard this conversation this morning getting coffee. Good morning, sir. How are you? Old man. If I were any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> young <lady. laughs> the young lady just stares. Uh, and it was, the whole thing was awkward. Because it doesn't make any, that's literally the most nonsensical statement ever. I, I can't make sense of, if I were any better, I would be twins. And he said it with such, anyway, welcome to the Paul Spradley Show. <laughs> my guest is actually a twin. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, his brother was on my show a while back, though. Uh, so my guest uh, is Mr. Joel Gray, community outreach coordinator with the Pittsburgh Pirates, where he's responsible for proactively identifying and developing uh, partnerships with the, uh, the community at large with a focus on diverse populations. Additionally, Joel is the executive director of Africa Book Bags, and we will talk about that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Joel, welcome to the show. Wow, thank you, Dr. Spread, for uh, having me on. <laughs> Joel, I've known you for uh, a long time, and never have I been more disappointed than I am right now. Wow. I'm just joking. <laughs> wow, okay. I just want you to relax a little bit, man. How are you? Thanks I'm for coming good. on and being on the show. Appreciate I'm, it. I'm doing well. It's starting to get cold. Uh, it's fine. Well, yeah, it's not you. It's me. I think it's just it's like the weather in Pittsburgh. Yes, it happens to get cold occasionally. This is true. Joe, you've got an interesting story. Mm. Um, I think what got you to your point. So I want to talk about sort of three primary things today. Um, first of all, do you like my shoes? I would wear them. You know what? You paused. I would wear it was, them. It was, a, it was I like had a it long. Think. I like to be honest. It was a long. It was a long pause which makes me question your authenticity like, of like your statement. I would wear them. If I were any better, I would be twins. Joel. Hold up. Do you like my shoes? I love them. They're kind of like boots. They're called Chelsea's, half Chelsea's, but we're cool. <laughs> I could wear the full Chelsea. I had to get half of them, you know. And they're like boots. They're like half boots. They're like ankle boots. Bootlets? Boot. Nope, I can't say that. I can't say that. Listen, it's not Joel. bootlets. <laughs> We can make it a thing, though. I know. Yeah. Hashtag bootlets. Hashtag bootlets. Um, you do incredible work with the Pittsburgh Pirates mm -hmm. right now, and we're going to talk Thank about you. that. But I want to go back and talk about your story. How did you get to this point right now? Because there was a few um, pretty influential things that have happened in your life. I would say just from knowing you, right. there, there are three or four big things that have happened mm. that I think altered your trajectory because yeah. even knowing you the first time around as a college student mm -hmm. you were you were going in a space and then you know life happens and it mm -hmm. and it changes some of your worldview and things like that so talk about your story your journey um, maybe from years of like 10 years old up to like wow. the college but you know give us the summarized version of that yeah the summarized version uh, is simply uh, being a 10 year old I, I went to Pittsburgh public schools um, I was in a magnet program so uh, the Costas uh, they're pretty popular people in the city of Pittsburgh. I went to school with them, and one day I heard them talk about um, having gloves of Antoine Randall. And I was like, that's very interesting. How do you do that? Come to find out their cousin was a ball boy, and then right then and there, that kind of seed was planted in my mind. I went home to talk with my dad about it, and I was like, hey, dad, I heard like this is a possibility. 
And this is a real thing. This is a real thing. <laughs> it's not just being on a TV. ball boy with the Steelers. Um, but he's like, son, we'll look into it. This is really something that you want to do. Uh, so that was probably around 11 or so. And he called down to the south side where the Steelers facility is. And the gentleman there encouraged him that I write a letter to Mr. Rooney. And so, I mean, being that young, you're like, okay, that's cool. But like, what does that letter entail? So we did some brainstorming. We basically wrote a letter that um, said, you know, what this opportunity would mean to me and how it would, you know, change me as a human being in general. Um, and so, again, can I, can I pause yeah, you there because yeah, there's yeah. there's some things even within the, your summarized version that are that are magical. Yeah. The fact that your dad yeah. had the presence of mind to yeah. say. Let me call down to the south, to the, let me call. Mm -hmm. I don't know where the Steelers operate at, but let right. me call at least this, this building. Yeah. And then <clears throat> for someone there to say, write a letter to the head of the organization <laughs> as, a, as an 11 year old. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like that is, that's already instilling a certain level of social capital in you yeah. that, uh, that you, can't, you can't buy that. And, and, but some people do buy it. Some mm. people send their kids to very elite schools mm -hmm. so they have that experience, so that they are writing a letter Mm -hmm. to the head of one of the top three most uh, prominent NFL organizations in the world, yes. right? You've, you're doing this at age 11. Right. That's awesome. Right. I, so I appreciate, I, I just Thank appreciate you. it that right. your, your dad made that phone call. Yes. And he's in this process with you. And, and I would like to just add to that, that I am blessed that my father, you know, was very involved in my life, in my development, and he definitely taught us not to have limits. Mm. So this was a perfect, tangible, example of that um, besides my faith and things like that but um, from him doing that you know uh, I did so we wrote this letter about the vision um, and I basically said look as a kid that's a Steelers fan this will be cool because even in my career to try to figure out what that looks like to work in sports um, so we fast forward to 2014 I got like a practice interview um, meaning uh, you had to be 15 to become a ball boy it's my first ever interview so I think legally they had to have a guardian there in your interview. So in that interview, I probably said five words. And <laughs> my dad asked all the great questions. So even that for me was a learning experience of how to even deal with the interview and what to expect. Um, and then fast forward a few months later, I got a call that I was going to be a Steelers ball boy for that training camp. And <laughs> I remember getting that news. And it was the craziest thing. I just ran around my house and I was like, I'm a Steelers uh, ball boy now, big baby, and I just kept running around. <laughs> it, was, it was an exciting moment because it was fresh off of their Super Bowl 40 win. Yeah. So they were a hot team in the NFL. And I used to envision talking to people like Willie Parker, Heinz Ward, Troy Palomalu, and then a few months later, those practice conversations I was doing in the shower, don't judge me. No, it's a little, uh, a little judgment, but <laughs> I'm right, not going right, to like, right, right. outwardly judge you. Um, but they became reality. Wow. And I would say, like, for three days, I was a super fan, right? You had this boy that has no connection to the Steelers at all. Now you're here behind the scenes, seeing these guys beyond the cameras and all their you know, fame and just seeing them as humans. Um, Did you it, learn anything about them as humans? Oh, yeah. It wasn't until like, they start introducing themselves to me. Like, hey, what's your name? Hmm. I was like, Dad, this is like Troy Palomalu asking me. And he was introducing himself as like Troy. Or Mike Tomlin would come over and say, hey, I'm Mike. Like, wow. So it wasn't like oh, I'm this big person, but it was just like a normal thing. And to be 14 and learning that, yeah. it definitely changed my perspective of like, okay, these guys bleed like me, 
they have life problems like me. It's just that they have this opportunity to do it on such a stage. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I can definitely dive into the the realness that the opportunity provided me, and I well, and I use what, that a lot today. What would you say were your takeaways from yeah. being in this space where it's like you're around these stars? Yeah. So you you go, again in the social capital space, you go from being a fan for a few. Days. I had a, I man crushed on Mike Tomlin. I saw him at an event, and I was like. Hey man, it's nice to meet you. And then I brought it in for a bro hug, and I, I kept it there a little too long. He's like, "Come on!" Man. I was like, "This is Mike Tomlin." And so I'm in my head, but he's like, "Oh, it's, okay, it's nice to meet you, brother." And I was like, "Oh man, I just hugged Mike Tomlin for 15 seconds. That's five seconds too, too long. Much. <laughs> too much. Too much. Um, so it's kind of wild because at that age, believe it or not, like I was having real conversations with these guys hmm. about. It could be about from education to their significant others and how they deal with those type of relationships. But they really did a great job of like taking me under their wing wow. and like really saying, you know, this is a great opportunity. And they would even explain like, even though I'm famous, I still care about a lot of different things. And it, believe it or not, it was around a time when social media was just getting started, so it wasn't as popular. Um, so we were able to have conversations that were still like hidden and like, you didn't really know that they were dealing with it, where now you can tell every athlete's issue, possibly, um, with social media. So that was cool, but I, I just think like, just the day-to-day -day operations of something, you don't really realize at that level, you don't realize at that level what's taking place because it's your life. It's not until you get removed where you're like, wow, I was actually in a professional environment competing for a Super Bowl trophy, right? So your two or three biggest takeaways. So after you were removed and maybe looking back, what do you think your biggest yeah. takeaways were being in that space? Um, I would say the, just the dedication and no human being is perfect. Mm. You're gonna have your flaws every single day. You have to work to perfection. Because um, think about it, you're, as an athlete, you've reached your pinnacle. There's no other opportunity out there besides professional sports, right? And so, like, even that you're an athlete, like, a lot of people are like, yeah, I made it, and then I said, no, them guys used to, like, work hard to even just survive on that team on a day-to-day. -day. So, so the grind doesn't stop. The grind doesn't stop. Even you make the, make the top of this, the right? pinnacle, so to speak. Even working, I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler, the grind doesn't stop. Yeah. I would say it starts at the end of the day. Hmm. So another, yeah, that, I would say that would be another big takeaway is that, um, like, when people go throughout life, they set goals, right? And I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people think, all right, I get this goal and something's gonna change in my life. But you realize you're the same person even when you reach that goal. Mm. So that drive that you've always had, you know, you might have more tools with your drive, but you still have to keep driving, that's right? Good, that's a good word. And uh, good word. so I think that's another big takeaway that okay. I see. So this catapulted you into the sports world. Right. Um, and you, have this amazing opportunity to mm -hmm. do work with the Pittsburgh Pirates now. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I appreciate about the Pirates is that they are very intentional about their work in the community. So mm -hmm. they're very much intentional about making sure that the, the, the fans are a part of this experience in right. a bunch of different ways. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's not just having a beautiful park, which you know, has been ranked at one of the most attractive parks to be in, but it's also the little things that happen, right? Yeah. Like when you're at a game, yeah. um, each inning has something that's engaged. So talk about that commitment that you've seen and what did that look like for you when you first started and now that you've moved up in the organization, yeah. um, how are you living, practicing that out? All right, so um, I would say 
One of the reasons that I actually applied to work for the Pirates is just see the difference between them and the Steelers, to be honest. So I'll just start well, with... Well, one's football and one's baseball. Okay. Joel. I know that. Football is the Steelers. Did you know, <laughs> did you know the Steelers used to be called the Pittsburgh Pirates? No. All right. That's what <laughs> Take that home with you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that was like, I wanted to see the, the operation, how it was different, mm -hmm. like between the two sports. Um, so, you know, the Steelers have Steeler Nation, and I think that they allow that to be like a huge connection for them, right? When I went to the Pirates, I thought it was, you explained it very well, it was very self-evident that, yes, they are fans, but how else can we align ourselves with our community, right? And so I, my internship was in um, reviving baseball inner cities, um, so it's an initiative that gets, you know, alongside the community to say, how can we keep baseball and softball alive? in our inner cities, right? This is from MLB mandate, and then each club is uh, in charge of making it you know, local to them. Um, so in that internship, it had me out in the community meeting with coaches or athletes that's playing the game and figuring out how can the Pirates uh, really help them out to make sure their season is success. Um, and being in that space, I started to see how much the, the Pirates cared about community beyond just them being fans. Um, and then also around that time, 50-50 raffle started. Um, if you come to a game, you can bid on a ticket, and half the winnings go to Pirate Charities, half the, tickets, uh, half the winnings go to you. So that allowed a lot of money to come into um, the space of Pirate Charities. Uh, and then that kind of helped, I would say, boost a lot of our programming that we were doing in the community. Um, so for me, so I started in 2013, then 2015 came around, graduated college, and um, they basically said, look, Joel, we love our connection with the community, but we want to get even better. You know, we want to improve and become more grassroots. Did they say why? Because it mattered to them. Mm. You know, they didn't want to forget. Because, like, uh, when uh, the gentleman that brought me in, Chaz Kellum, mm -hmm. many people may know. He was on this show. Oh, wow. He was on this show. Okay. Hey, Chaz. Good to see you, my man. <laughs> Chaz fans that are out there. Yeah, yes. Chaz is a I can say a lot about Chaz, but, uh, but when he left the organization, they basically rebranded his position to say, hey, we want to have more intentional intentionality in baseball and softball because we understand there's a lot of help there. But then we do not want to forget about all the community relations that we have established, right? And they said, Joel, I'm not going to be the one to go out and meet <laughs> with these people, but we want somebody. We entrust in you that you'll be a great um, conduit in doing that. Um, and then that's how I got my job today. Hmm. So what do you do? Um, yeah. I mean, so big picture. And I think I, yeah, I've connected with you through um, your community ticket program, right. which is, I think, vital, right? Like you give mm -hmm. people who may not otherwise have the experience to go to a game an opportunity. But right. you also do a bunch of other things. So talk yeah. about kind of the, the body of work. Yeah, the, be the best way I can explain my job is that I'm a people person, right? And I know it's very important to meet in person. I know we have technology nowadays, but I basically go out to different community groups. So, for example, we wanted to get um, behind the space of the Latino community in Pittsburgh. And so what I did was literally went to one of the organizations, sat with the uh, people there and said, hey, tell me about your community. Uh, we have players that are in, and coaches that are from these uh, countries, you know, and we want to get them behind what you guys are doing. So 
what are ways that we can collaborate in that space? So is it rather we all come to you, you guys come to us, and we build that partnership? So that's kind of like the cookie cutter approach that I take to all communities. Mm. Um, and then from there... Can I pause you? Yeah, Do you yeah. think other organizations would value from doing that? Right, because oh, here's the thing. Totally. The pirates are very intentional about yeah. this. So everything that you're doing is because, yeah. as you said earlier, they care. This means this, and right? But there are other organizations who've been operating for a long time. And actually, I was having a conversation the other day uh, with a VP of HR around this idea that um, companies are not remaining innovative. Mm. And a lot of it is around this idea that they don't, they're not caring. They're right. just operating as, as right. usual, and they're missing out on... Paul, there's so many ways I can answer this question. Let's hear a few. Um, all right. One, I recently heard this, this quote about um, if you want to stay the, the best, you have to be willing to change, mm. right? Because why? Time changes things. And I think a lot of companies are missing that out of fear, possibly. Um, but I think there are a lot of companies that are starting to wake up from that because people have so many voices that, hey, this needs to change, this, that needs to change. Another way that I view it, and I'll just stay in sports because that's my avenue, right? Mm -hmm. But when baseball first started, you were just thinking about going to a sandlot and playing with your friends. Right. You weren't thinking about the ticket sales of that, the, the concession stands of that, the entertainment of that. But as people, it became popular, people start influencing the sport differently. Mm. And so now we're just at a level where these athletes are so looked at as these giants and people are looking to them to kinda, I don't know, make their decision in life, right? And so, but teams are starting to be wise and say, hey, we need to support our players, right? And us as a team can do more than just these athletes, right? So um, I would say that Across the board, I think you will start seeing companies, as they add to their employment, care more about the community. Um, a lot of companies care about sales, which makes sense, because you need to make money to operate. But you cannot forget about the impact you're having in whatever community you're in. Um, I, a few years back, I was looking at um, what Amazon's doing. And Amazon is actually building out community relations, and it's Amazon, like all they're all right. doing is, you know. Online uh, sales. Online sales. But they do care about where they're placing their warehouses and how it's affecting the communities. And I definitely believe that's going to continue to change because of we see what happens when a company just sets up shop and doesn't care about the community. It's actually pretty bad. You know? right. um, well, it's happened that way for a oh, long for, time. Forever. <laughs> when I'm doing diversity trainings in corporate space, I say there's mm -hmm. five areas that folks <clears throat> often struggle in uh, from a corporate perspective. Mm -hmm. Number one is uh, diverse talent like who they bring it in. Number two is diverse suppliers. Mm -hmm. Number three uh, is once they have this diverse talent, are they creating an inclusive workplace? Um, are, is there an opportunity to have diverse customers? And what's their community reputation? Right. And that community reputation, so how does the community see you? Yep. And so I think um, places like Amazon who are juggernauts in this space, even, even the large companies realizing, to your point, that we have to, we have to think about right. the people that we're serving or we won't be around very long. Right. And, and the thing I would add is um, a lot of times it is just out of ignorance, right? But, and then also you cannot satisfy everybody, mm -hmm. but the more that you broaden your net or who's at the decision table, 
the better off you would be, I believe, right? And there's always room for improvement. You can never, I think that's a part of the innovation that you can always improve. But in order to improve, you have to include the people that you're trying to welcome into your business. You so know? MLB, yeah. so you do work for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but mm -hmm. because of the, the community work that you're doing with underrepresented populations, you mm -hmm. also work with the national MLB organization. You ended Correct. up bringing in some folks into Pittsburgh mm -hmm. um, around that. Talk about what Major yeah. League Baseball is doing in this same space of saying, you know, I, we, it's important for us mm -hmm. as a national organization, an international organization, to care about our communities in a different way than we have. Yeah, so, so for me, I think it, it, it kind of sparked the light that, um, you know, baseball is known as like a white man's game, mm -hmm. right? Old white man's game. So when I went to MLB headquarters and saw how much color mm -hmm. and diversity was there, I was like, I was taken back, like, nobody knows this. Yeah, records. But <laughs> seriously, yeah. So, but I think they have done very, uh, intentional things like they have this diversity pipeline mm. where um, if you want to do on or off the field any um, opportunities in like baseball ops uh, you basically send them your information and they put you in this system that if any job opens up whether it be at the league or any clubs they kind of put it on your radar so it's a unique thing that MLB is being very aggressive about because a lot of times again in sports you get these jobs because of who you know right, right? so if yeah. you don't know nobody different from you you know, it's just going to cycle through that it's going to be saying people over and over. Yeah. Well, but if you I, don't have the social capital right? to have, you know, your dad to say, write a letter to this, right, then exactly. you, you will miss that sort of right. navigating. So they, so I am, um, and knowing that, I've definitely been very intentional of just keeping it on the radar what's happening in these different areas and pointing people to them and say, hey, and what is actually looking for you? You just have to reach out, you wow. know, and... Um, I say they do a good job of once they do find a great candidate, they will position them correctly. Um, but and position correctly meaning training, things like tr that? Either training or connecting them with a, like a club of a career they might be interested in pursuing, inviting them to like winter meetings or things like that. So at least bring them to the plate yep. and figure out, okay, is this something that you really want to do or not? Um, I know from us, um, from a Pirates perspective, we recently developed the Kurt Roberts uh, Step Up to the Plate initiative. What this is is that we work with local universities and we ask them to bring, um, like find diverse candidates that wanna work in possibly baseball or learn about it. And we position it around um, the hiring time for internships so that we can put our hiring manager in front of these you know, candidates to say, hey, meet with them now and then possibly, you know, if you're looking to hire, then you can work and, and select one of these diverse candidates. So, I, again, I think that we do a lot of best practice sharing uh, when it comes to MLB. So these are things that we'll be mentioning possibly, you know, over the next year or so. So yeah. I think the biggest different, or the biggest thing also to note is that unless, <laughs> unless the head is like demanding this change right now, it definitely takes time to roll out for them to understand the significance of these changes. Um, but I've seen, since I've started, so I started in 2013 with the Pirates, I've definitely seen a lot of these small implications really being considered of how can we amp it up some more, you know, yeah. and, how, and how it is important to our business. So there's, <clears throat> we're, gonna, we're getting ready to wrap up on yep, time. Yep. There's three things I want that just pull out. Mm -hmm. One, you said that the Pirates were in, intentional about getting into the community. Mm -hmm. Number two, um, you're very, 
the Pirates are very intentional about developing a pipeline. Yep. People are afraid of pipelines because it takes a long time to see the results of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like it might be two or three or four or five or six years before mm -hmm. the fruits of that pipeline, so people don't do it. Mm -hmm. But you all have invested in that. Mm -hmm. And number three, um, there's this space where you're saying every so often, what can we be doing better? Right, mm -hmm. like so, you're asking yourself. You, so you said, like, you know, these little things have changed or something's, but that's because every couple of months, someone is saying, well, what can we do differently mm -hmm. or better? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that just calling those out as best practices, right? So as a as a senior leader in the Pittsburgh area, and there's a there's a person that's listening right now. Yep. I think the fact that we've identified those three things as places for you to start Definitely. in your company or business, wherever you're at, as a way to to do best practices. Yes. And the Pirates right now are amongst a group that's doing best practices work, mm -hmm. largely in part because of what you're doing. So mm. appreciate your work in that space. I do want to talk quickly about um, Africa Book Bags. Okay. How did, what, what is that? How did you get started with that? So that came about, so since a kid, you know, if you guys can see my birthmark, I don't know what side it is. It's on that side, Joe. Right. It's your face. <laughs> but you don't know your face. If you no, know wait, your face, so You just said people, you don't know your face. No, people do not. You just said you oh. don't know. You just said you don't know your face. People, okay, I don't know my face. I admit, sometimes I forget what my face looks like. Okay, is that okay? No, it's not okay. Oh, if you God. if you looked in a mirror and said, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> Joel, you've got bigger issues. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, so since a kid, I've had a a passion for Africa, um, and that sounds crazy because it's a whole continent. But it's because my dad has done international business and currently does um, in the continent of Africa, specifically Senegal. Um, but, you know, I was tired of him telling stories. I wanted my own stories. Uh, and then fast forward to 2015. Uh, my pastor at the time used to go on these Kenyan mission trips. And so uh, that year, um, these two women, um, Karen and Janet, uh, they've gone on the mission trips as well. But they wanted they started a nonprofit called Africa Book Bags. And basically it went from, you know, providing supplies to help kids over in Kenya make it through school, so rather that be sponsorship or equipping them with uh, school supplies to complete school, because it's very challenging compared to here in America. Um, but they wanted somebody from America, like an American youth, somebody in a, you know underserved community to have that experience of, mm -hmm. and that exposure of going over to Kenya and hopefully allowing that to spark something in them to be a difference, right? So I wasn't their ideal candidate, right? But I think I was a, a great first candidate because I was able to evaluate what that, what is this vision that you guys have mean? Um, so I went, had a, a, a heck of a time. I like to tell people still a piece of me is still in Kenya. Mm. Um, and in 2018, they asked me to come and really help them direct their mission. Um, and I really found it as a ministry wow. um, because uh, I, I think that, again, Relationships is everything, and that's what we're trying to establish here in Pittsburgh is building relationships with youth, talk to them about um, their community, but teach them about another community and, and kind of figure out ways how can you do what's in your power to make a difference. Mm. And um, vice versa, you know, what can we do in your community to make a difference um, from this mission? So it's definitely in its early stages, mm. um, but I think we're aligning ourselves with great youth here that we can possibly send uh, on this mission. So we've got uh, 30 seconds left. How can people connect with Africa Book Bags? Mm -hmm. And if they want to find out more about you and what you're doing, oh, wow. either personally or with the Pirates, how can they connect with you? Yeah, so if you want to find more about Africa Book Bags, uh, email joinafricabookbags, that's J-I-O-N, 
F <laughs> or A F R I C A B O O K B A G Z at gmail.com. So join Africa Book Bags with a Z at gmail.com. And if you want to connect with me, my email is jsgray, that's J-S-G-R-A-Y, 25 at gmail.com. I will have those things in the show notes okay. so that people don't have to rewind and listen to this all over again. Oh, wow. It's just... I'm not on social media, or else really, I would tell you I mean, guys, it's, find it's me just, on social media. Yeah, it's I'm there, but I'm not really active. Yes, I said that. Joel, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all the time that we have today. Stop what you're doing right now and subscribe to this podcast if you have not yet. Also, I'd like to meet with you for a free consultation on how we can together uh, work together to improve the culture in your workplace. You can email me or connect with me on social media. Uh, everywhere at Dr. Paul Spradley to schedule your strategy session. Until next time, keep on caring.